Matthew, the 11th chapter. Jesus spoke to the crowd, saying, To what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Will the real Jesus please stand up? Perhaps no man has been so scrutinized as Jesus of Nazareth in history. From the most pious believer to the most hardened cynic, exactly who Jesus is or was is a matter of intense debate. So diverse are the words and the deeds of Jesus that he can easily be made to be said to be supporting just about anything. If you are a law-abiding citizen and you believe that Jesus was about the promotion of order and even judgment, well, you can definitely find that in the biblical texts. If you believe that Jesus was about nothing but compassion and love, well, you could find that too. If you think Jesus is about tearing down the establishment, a revolutionary, you could point to scripture that would, uh, scriptures, text that would point that out. And if you wanted to say that Jesus was the establishment, you could find passages about that as well. So, will the real Jesus please stand up? In our reading from Matthew today, we see a number of these kinds of ideas, a number of these attributes of Jesus. Matthew 11 itself is a kind of eclectic chapter. It pulls from a little bit of here, a little bit of there, maybe capturing things, sayings of Jesus, not necessarily in any chronological order. And some of those things are very harsh. In fact, there's a portion from Matthew 11 that is not included in our reading today. You might have noticed in the bulletin it jumps from, I think, verse 19 to 25 or or 20 to 25 or something. Well, I'm going to read those missing verses for you in a moment. And some of those verses that Jesus says there are, are, are quite harsh. If there is one common thread of Matthew 11, it is Jesus' condemnation of those Jewish leaders who have led Israel into a kind of obsessive relationship 
to the law of God and missed the mark on God's grace. The Jewish leaders have emphasized ceremony and the Pharisees even added to the law of God. And so when John came and then when Jesus came, the leaders missed the mark. So that brings us to the opening words of our reading from Matthew 11 today, where Jesus is addressing those who have been critical of John and Jesus without really understanding a word they ever said. Jesus says that this generation, it's like children who didn't dance when the musicians played the flautists or flutists. I think it's flautists. When the flautists played and they didn't mourn when the wailers sang. What does he mean? Well, Jesus is accusing this generation of missing the signs, missing the cues. In the ancient world, there were times to be married and there were times to mourn. These were understood really more as communal events, more than your own individual experiences or feelings. When there were joyful moments then, the musicians would play the happy song, and you would know that you were to dance, even if you didn't particularly feel like it. Fortunately, I don't have to dance at wedding receptions. Very thankful for that to just sit in the corner and such. But in the ancient world, I don't think that would have been tolerated. Uh, and when it was a time to mourn, even if things are going very well for you, well, the dirges would be played and all mourned together. You mourned as a people as a town, as a community. And the musician's job then was to offer these, these cues for your response, these, these cues and signs for social action. They were the signposts for what was appropriate. And Jesus is saying that the signs were there for John the Baptist and for himself, but they were missed or they were misinterpreted. He reminds them that their criticism was, in fact, contradictory. Remember what they said about John. Well, he was an ascetic. He, he didn't eat or drink. He didn't feast, and he, he did not drink alcohol and such. Oh, so they said he must have a demon. Well, Jesus did eat and drink uh, with sinners and tax collectors, and they said he was a drunk. Well, you can't win, right? The problem with that generation, then, was that they were not moored to a consistent standard. They'd already made up their mind, and they would just bounce from argument to argument to argument to prove the point. All right, they didn't like John, so they had reasons not to like John. And then they didn't like Jesus, so they had different reasons not to like Jesus. That sounds an awful lot like our media climate today, doesn't it? And our social media climate, if you're brave enough to go there. Indeed, I would say beware of anyone who will shift arguments and tactics to justify a certain point. As Christians, we are called to be consistent in the way that we make arguments, consistent with our ultimate standard, the scriptures themselves. And when we err, we are to hold one another accountable. But as to this real Jesus, well, in this example, Jesus is quite caustically calling out his adversaries. He is a disruptive force against these governing institutions. 
So if you wish to believe that Jesus was a rebel, well, on this passage, I guess you would be right. But then we get to a, a, really an even more harsh uh, few verses from Matthew 11. I indicated the lectionary just skips over them in our reading, so I'm going to skip them back in, if you will. Um, let me read them to you. Then Jesus began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Here Jesus is not questioning authority and sinful hearts. He is judging them. He is rebuking them. Here you have then Jesus. Now he's firmly on the side here of, of law and order. Jesus really does care about our deeds, you see. He really does care if we repent or not. He really is a, uh, a stickler for the rules. He can easily be used to justify discipline and obedience and even calls for national repentance, if you were so inclined. So if you're the button-up type, you know, like me, well, Jesus is your man. The, this portion of Matthew continues with an unusual prayer then. So unusual is this prayer, it seems almost inserted in the midst of these dialogues. All of a sudden you have a prayer where Jesus is addressing the Father. And it's often compared really to John, because you see this kind of prayer, the high priestly prayer, especially in John 17, where Jesus is communicating directly to the Father. And almost as an aside, I would simply like to point out uh, that whenever these passages come up, this would be a great passage to point to in understanding the Trinity. What we see is Jesus is saying that the Father and the Son share intimate knowledge, and yet they are distinct persons, for the Son is speaking to the Father. They are communicating as distinct persons. But this portion of Matthew concludes with the kind and compassionate and loving Jesus that is perhaps, well, the most popular Jesus. Here again, to continue the theme, he is speaking to those who are worn out with all of their legal observation and obligation that is being imposed by the Jewish rulers. More to the point, he points to himself as the place and the person where one can find refuge and rest. Remember all those caustic words he was just saying, right? Woe to you, and he's, he's going after the authorities. And now he says to those listening, Come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. That is certainly... The verse, those are the words that you would want to share with anyone who shares in you that they feel unworthy before God because of their sin, because of their inability to obey God's law. When our lack of perfect obedience is revealed to us in our heart or maybe through the words of another, we then lean on Jesus 
We trust in him. We look to his perfect life. And he bears the weight for us in his perfect life and in his perfect death and resurrection from the dead. He knows that we cannot obey perfectly. He never expected you to. And then he offers these beautiful words. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Finally, someone who accepts us as we are, someone who lives for others, someone who welcomes us, someone who knows that apart from him, apart from his acceptance, we will never find rest. So when we strive to be like him, to be loved by him, he tells us that he is gentle and humble in heart. Now who do you know who is gentle and humble in heart? Cherish such people, for they are in this way like Jesus. Being gentle and humble, it brings out the best in others too. One of the reasons it is such a tragedy that our political discourse is so accusative, so mean-spirited, so power-driven, is that it brings out the worst in everyone. For fear of losing power or showing weakness, no one will dare to give an inch. No one will dare to admit when they are wrong. It seems these days like it's hard for anyone even to smile anymore. And if they disagree with you, well, good luck keeping them as a Facebook friend, or whatever that's worth. Yes, if the world is fueled by power, being gentle and humble may not get you very far, but it will make you more like Jesus. And yet, remember all those other Jesuses we were just talking about? Those who speak truth to power? Those who judge wrongdoing? Will the real Jesus please stand up? Which one is he? The rebel who undercuts authority? Or the harsh speaking judge? Or the one who invites those who are afraid to come to him that he is gentle and humble in heart? Well, of course, Jesus is all of those. He is the author of creation. He's the judge of the world, the despiser of evil, and the one who forgives. Jesus being the creator of the world we live in, he covers every aspect of reality. The good, the bad, the beautiful, the ugly. The trick is not to use Jesus to defend the way that we think things ought to be, but rather to eagerly seek to live as we ought to be. What's amazing is that the same Jesus who condemns those who sin welcomes those who are burdened. So might we turn to him and trust in him, for we have nothing to fear.
Amen.